When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. All right, it's fig trade season, so Sammy and Gordo are on the case every single week. They've they've got the baseball world buzzing. They've got GMs rethinking the things that they thought they knew, but they really didn't know. And that's all because of the who says no's. The who says no's. Who, what's better than the who says no's? Especially as we go from June to July. This day, fellas, as we record this, this is Carlos Santana Day. Carlos Santana Day. It's a thing. It makes a difference. Early moves. It's hey. seven. I mean, I mean, I put twenty-one and four in my tweet, but whatever. It's seventeen and four. They were six games under five hundred. Seattle six games under five hundred. They trade for Carlos Santana, who wasn't even that good. And then they go seventeen and four. And then you know what? Basically, uh, what's tomorrow? What is we record this uh, Wednesday? Wednesday is what day? Steve Pierce Day. Oh, yeah, that's a good day. That's a good day. So lesson learned. It's never too early to make meaningful trades. And that's what we're going to try to do today. So we're we're impacting lives and impacting pennant races. Who wants to go first? Can I interject really quick? I have a cool little tidbit. Yes. Guess who hit a home run today? Steve Pierce. Carlos Santana. Ooh, that's pretty good. Isn't it? It's like hitting a homer on your birthday. And guess what? The way the Pirates are going, I wouldn't be surprised if Carlos uh, Carlos Santana days tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the Mariners. Um, (laughs) 2.0. But it it is incredible. Like, that was incredible that – I mean, think about that. You're six games under five hundred. You make this trade, and I don't care if people say, well, you know, he didn't do much. Whatever, man, like, whatever it was, clubhouse influence, whatever it was, it had an impact. And that's why I think some teams, like the Angels are doing right now, Yeah, sometimes it behooves them. Yeah, it just goes to show you, though, like from your Mariners example last year, Sometimes it's about that message. Like Carl Santana, you said it wasn't that good, but sometimes these teams just need to know. Like they don't 
like we, we fans don't know anything. A lot of times the players don't know anything. Most of the time at this time of year, they don't know anything. So sometimes they just need that message that, you know, they're believed in their front office believes in them. And, you know, this is the time of year where some teams get that. Some teams don't. Well, we're trying to give the GMs a do them a favor and actually help them form their clubhouses, give them club, their clubhouses a boost. Who wants to go first? Gordo, hit it. I went, I, I went first last time, so I want to let you All right, go. Gordo, let's go. Okay. All right. So when I when I first did the Baseballs and Boring podcast, the Who Says No on the Baseballs and Boring podcast, I proposed a deal to save the Mets season. All right? Since that time, and I believe they are, they're, they're definitely going to win tonight if they haven't won already. They are. They will have gone five and eight since then. So I no longer think that it would be in the best interest to save the Mets season, particularly if things continue this down this road by the end of July. So today, we're going to create a seismic shift in the landscape of baseball. All right, all right. You ready for it? You want me to hit it? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a homecoming. I told you guys before the show. It's a homecoming. The Diamondbacks receive. Max Scherzer and Mark Hanna. All right. We're going to eat some money, but I'll get into the finances later. The Mets are going to receive Brandon Fott. He's the number 25 prospect in baseball. The Diamondbacks best pitching prospect, third best prospect overall, but the number 25 prospect in baseball. Let's get into the finances a little bit here because this deal doesn't work without that. So Scherzer, if this deal is done on August 1st on deadline day, He's going to be owed roughly $15 million throughout the rest of the season. And I'm going to have the Mets eat $10 million of that. So the Diamondbacks are only going to have to eat around $5 million. And with Mark Canna, he's going to be owed $3.7 million. Mets will eat the entire thing, save for the prorated league minimum. So basically, the Diamondbacks are only going to be paying roughly $5 to $6 million for this season of those two guys. Now, the kicker is that Max Scherzer has a, has a really big player option next year. He's a $43 million player option. Stipulation in the deal, if he picks that up, the Mets are on the hook for $30 million of the 43. So in this trade, if Scherzer picks up his player option, Diamondbacks are going to get him for $13 million next year. All right. So let's let's get into the justification here. Why does this deal work for both sides? Let's start with the Mets. The season is getting away. Some may have say it's gotten away, depending on who you listen to. If you listen to Frank the Tank, that thing's been done for weeks. So... If this so obviously if this continues through the month of July, there's going to be need to be big changes, a big shakeup. You know whether it happens at the deadline this year or whether you go into the off season and make the big changes, then the things are going to change. Like you don't invest that much money in a team and run it back when things have been this bad. So we know the Mets don't particularly care about saving money. They already ate Eduardo Escobar's contract, and they've they've done this before. They did it with James McCann in the off season. They don't care about the money. They will eat money if they think it's going to get them good or better, at least better prospects than they'd otherwise be able to get. So this is a team with, without a pitching prospect that you could, I guess, foresee as being a future frontline starter. They have pitching prospects, but none of them are top hundred guys. Like it's all like the five through 10 guys in their, in their, uh, in their system. So getting a guy like that, yes, you're sacrificing Scherzer next year, but you're getting a guy to get a young arm in that rotation, which, oh my God, could they use young arms? I mean, you're you're running every day. It's like Verlander, Scherzer, Carrasco, even when they get healthy, like Quintana. Like this is an old rotation. And I just don't know how that can make it through a season, particularly a year from now, 
when these guys are now going to be a year older. So Canner's got like a, a Mark Canner's got like an eleven million dollar ten and ten eleven million dollar team option. Don't think they're going to pick that up. So pretty easy to just use that to sweeten the deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, it pretty much is just about buying a prospect in this case. The Mets are paying up to like forty five million dollars here to buy a prospect, and it's definitely something they would consider doing. I think the harder part here is justifying it from the Diamondback side because Brandon Fott is a really good prospect, and you're getting a year and a half of Scherzer and a half a year of Canna. And if you look on the surface, Scherzer hasn't necessarily had his best season this year. So it's definitely hard to justify, but I'm going to try to do it anyway. Max Scherzer's last eight starts. Are you ready? Five of them he's allowed one run or fewer. One of them he allowed two runs. So six of his last eight starts have been really good. He came off the IL and he's been a really good pitcher since then. If you look on, on Savant, the metrics have taken a little bit of a decline but like like at least compared to last year, but he's still really good. He's still a top of the league arm. And, you know, we all know who Max Scherzer is as a pitcher, as a leader. You know, he's a guy you want anchoring your staff. The Diamondbacks are 47 and 32 as of this recording. They're in first place by two and a half games. Vibes are at an all-time high. Everyone loves the Diamondbacks. I feel like when we came into the season, everyone was kind of like, yeah, the Diamondbacks, like, they're like an interesting team to watch. Like they're not going to suck, but they've, they're way better than that. They're ahead of the Dodgers, the Padres, the Giants. That's not something anyone saw coming. At least I didn't see it. They got a bright future. But if you look at things, if you, t- you take a step back, I really do think there should be a higher sense of urgency around this particular team compared to most teams at their stage of development. Like the Dodgers, we all talk about it, how they basically stepped out of free agency in pursuit of Shohei Otani's free agency in this coming offseason. They've got Walker Bueller, who might pitch at the very end of the season. They've got an entire rotation of injuries, and all of that is going to be gone next year when they've got Walker Bueller back and in all likelihood Shohei Otani headlining that rotation and inserting into that DH spot. Add in, add in with that, the San Francisco Giants are having a good year, missed out on their free agents, and are probably going to pay other guys next year and then the Padres are going to do whatever they can to go all in because they're the Padres this is the Diamondbacks opportunity to make a run at it and if you could have a rotation headlined by Zach Gallen, Max Scherzer and um, help me out here guys Merrill Kelly Merrill Kelly Merrill Kelly's great even though he uh, just got put on the IL but I don't think it's a super long term thing you've got a chance to make a serious run here and yes it's going to hurt giving up a big time prospect like Brandon Fott, but it's something that teams have done to get ace pitchers in the past. We saw it. We saw the Dodgers give up two elite prospects to get Scherzer and Turner just a couple of years ago. And I know Scherzer's not quite the same guy as he is back then, but he's still a really, really good guy. He's a front of, rot- front of the rotation arm. He's a leader. He's everything that team needs. And if you think about it, send him to Arizona, finish out his career there. You know, he, probably wants to pitch into his 40s, get him get him two to four years there, finish your career off, potentially win a ring in the process back where it all started. I like this deal. I, I want to hear what you guys think. I, I know I've been rambling, but I, I it'd be an interesting trade. It's it's all good. It's uh first of all, Scherzer did say that he would waive his no or was would be open to waiving his no trade clause, which is an important good part. Point. That's another thing. Yeah, it was all so but well, you didn't need to mention that because he said he would waive it. Um, my initial thought is that 
Arizona wouldn't do it because of the potential of fought and because you just don't have those other guys for quite long enough. You make a good case. Um, I'm not saying that it's, you know, I think it's a good trade. I think it's a good trade proposal. Uh, there's a lot of good things that you said that make a lot of sense. Um, but, you know, it's just for, it, I think it all comes down to this. It's the Diamondbacks evaluation of their own picture. You know, this is a big thing of it, right? Do they, do they have any doubts about fought going forward? Any doubts? Because if you do, then you win the trade. You get Scherzer, you get Canada, so you win the trade. We've seen plenty of times where prospects get traded for and they never work out. Look at look at the Chris Sale trade. You know, so um, so anyway, I think it's a good one. Who knows? You know what this one, you know what this one reminds me of a little bit though. It's it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Jose Barrios to Toronto trade. Because I think Barrios at the time had a year and a half of control, and the Jays gave up. They, they gave up, I think, two top hundred guys. It might have just been one, but it was the. It's like something Woods Richardson or Smith. Woods Richardson. Yes. Yes, him, and he hasn't. I he hasn't done much. I don't. I don't even know if he's pitching the majors yet, and I think he's off the top hundred list. So yeah, you're right, Rob. It really is just about evaluating your own guys, evaluating you know which prospects you have that are going to be that you think are guys and which guys you think are expendable. Cause we've seen tons of teams in the past get away with dealing seemingly really good prospects at the time and keep others. And the ones they keep are good. And the ones they deal, you know, they chose remember, the right remember, ones. Remember uh, justice Sheffield. Yeah. yeah. Great example. You know, I mean, this, this happens all the time, but um, yeah. So Sammy, what do you think? Um, I pretty much agree with what you said, Rob. Gordo, it's a well-thought-out trade. Obviously, it's a bit crazy. Um, it's one of those gigantic blockbusters that when they when they come across your phone screen, you have that, that heart drop and you freak out. Oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. This one I don't see happening. Like Rob said, I don't think Arizona would do that. It feels like it's putting a lot of eggs in one basket. They're so young. I don't think they're windows now. I think they're very close. I just don't see Scherzer fitting that timeline. Not to say that he wouldn't be a huge boon to that rotation. Could you imagine him, Gallon, and Kelly in a playoff series? That's an absolute nightmare for whoever they're facing. But it just feels a little bit soon. I think it all makes sense. I think Canna is also a good bench piece. We didn't mention that. One thing to think about, I don't know if you guys saw, Steve Cohen is giving a, a speech or something tomorrow. He's addressing the media, and he said, you're going to hear it from me which sounds very ominous, you could say. I can't wait. I can't wait either. Hey, this is this is must-watch TV. So while it sounds crazy to think about a team like the Mets, the biggest spender by far, selling, who knows what we're going to hear tomorrow or today when you're listening to this? Who knows? That said, I don't see Scherzer being the guy out the door. That's a tough guy to trade. I feel like they'd be better off keeping him. I don't think the return would be enough to justify it. I also can't imagine the message that would send to that clubhouse with all the high hopes they had coming into the year. Yeah, but that's that's coming gone, man. You're yeah, you're you're if you if you're selling like this, like who cares about the message? Like, you're you're throwing it in yeah, the towel. You're, you're, but what does that do what does that do to the team next year? And the year like it just it's such a dagger. It's like the ultimate they'll, they'll spend on some new guy. 
but they'll, yeah, they'll, yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll sign the next Max Scherzer. You know what like, you there's say, always you another. You say to them, you had the the highest payroll opening day payroll in the history of baseball. You know, three hundred twenty-seven million or dollars or whatever it was. You know, sixty something million over the next one, next second highest. Hey guys, you had your chance. Too bad. No. Yeah. So, but then, but then what? So yeah, well, then, then 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 you basically you say we're going to do a little bit different, <laughs> and that's maybe what that's what Cohen says. All right, I tried it this way. Bring on Beatty. Bring up Prada. Bring on Vientos. Bring on these guys, and you know, bring on Fought. Bring on these. You know, so bring on Fought. Bring, bring on Fought. I don't think they're that smart. I don't give them that much credit. I think they would do it the exact same way and think it would work the second time. I, I, I actually agree with you, Sam. The thing, the thing about the like, Mets that always strike me is the comment that Cohen made when they thought they had Correa and he's sitting in Hawaii. And he's saying, we got, we needed one more piece and this is it. We got our last piece. And then the piece left, but yeah. you didn't replace the piece. Like, so it's like you, <laughs> You, you and obviously that one piece. I don't know if it would have made any difference at all, but but still, it was just their mindset was so messed up, so messed up. the The Mets are like the Mets are like Ben Affleck when he got that disgusting tattoo on his back. He probably thought it was awesome for a week or two, and then he started to realize it's not as cool as he thinks. Everyone's laughing at him, and now he doesn't know what to do. So the Mets. Ben Affleck, same thing. Ben Affleck tattoo. <laughs> I, I like that, Trey Gordo. Good job. I, I've been, here's an issue. Here's an issue I have. Okay. So, if the Mets decide to sell, which I think all of us, it'll it'll hit like a like a brick to the face when we hear it because that just <laughs> is so unfathomable, all things considered. But if they don't decide to eat a bunch of money, like. If they don't decide to eat the Scherzer contract to trade him or eat the Verlander contract to trade him, think about the guys that like they're not going to get very much value at the deadline. Like we're talking about making a few Eduardo Escobar trades. Like Starling Marte has what two years after this after this year in his deal. So you're not trading him. You're obviously not trading Nimmo. You're not going to trade the prospects you've got. You're, you just extended McNeil. You're not going to trade him, and he's not even performing. So you're not going to trade him. Lindor is not going anywhere. Yeah, Lindor's not going anywhere. So it's literally like you're talking Mark Canna. Um, Carrasco, I think, is expiring, but he's not pitching well. No one's going to trade for him. Yeah. It, it's Ottavino. That's a piece. It's a tough oh, David lesson. Robertson. It's a tough lesson, and you can't buy teams like you could use the Yankees, how they used to, for example. There's too many teams with money, and prospects are they're important now. I think people are starting to realize that you have to homegrow your team. Look at the last five World Series champions. They all had homegrown cores. And the Mets tried to kind of like skip the line, and now they're paying the price. It's it's a little bit beautiful, poetic justice. But is well, that true, though? Is that no, true? what you can't do? What you can't do is any team that signs a big contract or big contracts. You have to, and, and Bloom ref, referenced this, and and I've heard this from you know when San Diego AJ Prowler. I talked to him when they signed Machado. Going back when Epler was at uh, Los Angeles when they did the Trout deal. Um, when you sign those big deals, you only do it with the understanding that you have the a, a, a lot of young players also either coming up or are already up. 
because you have to control the the payroll with those guys why you have the big names you can't just do like here's a bunch of big names and we have no prospects i mean that was the whole thing behind their thinking with the mookie bets deal well we don't want to sign them to the 400 million dollar contract because we don't have the other prospects or the perceived perception was they didn't um and you see it with the Dodgers. And so the Dodgers are a perfect example of this. They signed, they don't only signed Mookie, they signed Freddie Freeman. They signed these guys, but wave after wave after wave of young players keep coming. All are on, on crazy control. That's yeah. how you have to do it. Yeah, Braves too. Braves a good example. But that's what I'm saying about the Mets is that they kind of, it's like they skipped a step. They skipped the wave oh, of guys coming up. They sold off on most of them. Maybe Alvarez would be the exception, but it's not working. Think about the offense, though. They've got they've got Alvarez, who's young, who's a, like a super prospect. They've got Brett Beatty coming up, big time prospect. They have Mark Vientos. Like, it's not like they have it's not like they have no young talent. Like they may they may not be flushed with a bunch of depth, and like they're paying, you know. Omar Narvaez to be depth and they're paying Eduardo Escobar to be depth and like that's going to sting but it, but like if you have young talent coming up and you don't care about money at all like it's just weird to me like I feel like it's not I do feel like they're in in part skipping the line but at the same time it's not like they've got nothing it's like they, like have, they have young guys on that team yeah but they, they have I would say Alvarez is their elite prospect Beatty, a tier below, very good prospect. And then the rest of the guys you mentioned are kind of good, not great prospects. It's kind of like they did half of the young guy's step, but not the full thing and wanted to and get no pitching. Yeah, you can't rush it. Yeah, no no young pitchers. I don't even know who they got in the way of young pitchers. I mean, their top two starters combined, they're more than 80 years old combined. <laughs> like that's that's just not a recipe for success nowadays. I don't get I don't get the thought process behind it. Everyone was praising them in the offseason. I thought it would work for a little bit, but you have to assume these guys are going to break down eventually. Verlander is hardly human, but it's going to happen eventually. Same with Scherzer. That's, yeah, that's that's the other thing that we didn't even say is just how risky investing in a two four like two borderline forty year old starting pitchers to headline your rotation is. I mean, those guys, as great as they are, you really never know when they're going to break down, and you know we'll see we'll see how they continue. Like Verlander, I know is off to a slow start. He did go five scoreless last night so we'll see Scherzer's looking a little bit better but yeah it doesn't it's there they haven't been like the ace Cy Young caliber guys that that we're used to seeing that's for sure not even halfway through the season yet either that's tomorrow tomorrow's yeah. a big day. halfway point Steve Cohen whatever I can't wait for this I have no clue what's coming you mean today come on today today if yes. yes there you go after you finish listening to this go listen to Steve Cohen's press conference exactly he well said, oh, believe me we're having a we're I'm looking forward to this. We're having a reaction to the Steve Cohen press conference podcast. So it's gonna be awesome. Um, all right. Sammy, what do you got? My trade could not possibly be more different from Gordo's trade. So I have to give a little shout out. I had someone help me with the research, a Cincinnati Reds website, Red Reporter. Shout out to them because truth be told, not super familiar with the way the Reds work because they have not really been relevant for 10 years. The last time they were in the playoffs, 2013. They got a good-looking young rotation. Hunter Green, he's hurt right now, but he's great when he's healthy. Abbott, Williamson, Lively, 
Lodolo should be back eventually. I'm probably forgetting someone. And then the lineup. We've heard all about Ellie De La Cruz. Oh, my God. This guy is much must watch. He's amazing. The vibes are through the roof in Cincinnati. I'm sure you guys saw the other night they had a packed house. Uh, I forget who they were playing. Braves. Uh, it, Braves, yes. Braves and Reds. And it was just – it looked like the best, best baseball atmosphere you're going to find. So, with that in mind, I'm inclined to think that they are inclined to bolster this team. Now, with the way they operate, you could call them cheap. I'll call them frugal. They're not going to invest a lot of prospect capital in an addition. So I thought of a realistic one. And this is where I got some help from Red Reporter. Initially, I figured they would want to go after someone like James Paxton, someone who was wheeling and dealing, having a great year on an expiring contract, but someone who's going to cost you a little bit. Great season, affordable contract. But more likely... They go after someone who's more affordable, someone maybe they can fix who hasn't lived up to expectations. And that's where Michael Lance Lynn, that's his full name, Michael Lance Lynn, comes in. So he's got a club option for 2024, which is 18 million. So they're not gonna, they're not gonna take that. His numbers are very, very bad this year. They're not pretty. He leads the league and hits given up at 100 on the dot. He's got a 6.4 ERA. But he's still getting strikeouts, and he's still getting a lot of swings and misses. So this is a guy that the Reds could take, put into their pitching factory, which has looked very good this year, and maybe right the ship with him and have him help them down the stretch. Currently, they're half a game behind Milwaukee for first place in the NL Central. So they're fully in the race, which is great to see. The reason Lance Lynn makes sense is because he's not going to cost a lot. Like I said, bad season. He's a bit older, mid-30s now. Uh, and he's got a pretty expensive contract, 18 and a half million this year, 18 million option next year. Like I said, that's not happening. So I have going back to the Chicago White Sox, Tyler Callahan. He's the 29th ranked prospect for the Reds. Nothing crazy, pretty modest prospect. He's an offense first, second baseman, average defense, but he's hot, hot, hot right now. Five for his last 12. This is a way that the Reds can bolster their rotation without hurting the farm. Initially, I thought it would be a trade in which they traded from a surplus in the farm, traded from their corner infield spots, which is where they're really strong. But when you look at the age of the team, they've got so much more to go, kind of like the Diamondbacks we just spoke about. It makes more sense to have them take a flyer on someone who's cheap this year, and then maybe next year you reevaluate, and that's when you go all in. They'll have Joey Votto's contract off the books, most likely. That's a big penny, uh, and they'll have more room to spend, more obligated to trade prospects. It would make more sense. So for this year modest little boost if you even want to call it that lance lynn roll the dice on a guy like that with experience he's still getting strikeouts like i said maybe they can fix him we'll see so it's lance lynn going to the cincinnati reds and coming back to the white Sox is tyler callahan does tyler callahan have four limbs Tyler Callahan does not have a shoulder that's falling off. Yeah, okay, I was going to. I wanted. To I thought you were about to say last, he doesn't have a shoulder. The last <laughs> prospect, I was a little worried because he only he only had one arm. So he's good now. He's good now. Oh, is he? Oh, TK TK Roby's good. Yeah, he's, he's throwing now. He's throwing. All right. Anyway, Tyler Callahan. He's not going to blow you away. He's kind of like a you can call him Matt McClain light. Very very light Matt McClain. <laughs> I'll say this. So I would trade for Lance Lynn. And here's the reason why. Start looking at little, like the last couple starts he had. But before the last one, he had 16 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. His last one, 
Yeah, I witnessed from the broadcast booth, and he was good. And he just simply like I've never seen a guy left out this visibly hit the wall. This like right around 100 pitches, they left him out there. He just hit the wall, and then somebody dropped a fly uh, foul bop, and he every everything. He just like totally just hit the wall. But if you look at the good of those two starts, the last two, and as as what he was last year and the expectations, he is for for what you're talking about. I would absolutely do that if I was the Reds. And by the way, a lot of these teams who need starting pitchers, they should also look at him. I think because there's not a lot of like viable starting pitchers that you can get at reasonable prices that is, can legitimately potentially help you. So I'm with you. And you have to consider that the White Sox would also be inclined to do this. They have no use for Lance Lynn, in my opinion. They're not going to contend. I know they believe they are, but come on, let's be real. And they're not going to get a great return for them, no matter how you slice it. I even think um, that the return of Tyler Callahan might even be a little bit much. That's that's how low the value of Lance Lynn is when you consider the age and the contract uh, and how he's been performing. But it's a trade that makes sense for both sides, in my opinion. It's not going to put either over the top. Uh, and another thing about the... Um, the White Sox is their farm system is pretty barren. I believe they got one top 100 prospect. Not that the top 100 list is the uh, be all end all, but it's a pretty decent indicator. So, yeah, I think they should uh, strongly consider cutting ties with Lance Lynn, even if the return isn't as extravagant as uh, they'd like it to be. All right, Gordo. Well, I, I think that Lance Lynn may have been my very first who says no trade proposal on the Bradfoe show in the offseason. If it wasn't the first, it, it was one of the first. I'm a, your, I'm a Lance Lynn guy. It was Pavetta. my first. Pavetta. Pavetta was in there. Yes, you're right. Mm. So, yeah, I'm a big Lance Lynn guy. And you were talking, Rob, you're talking about, you know, the trends and, you know, how he's trending up. Let's look at what he did last, last year. I, I just remembered last year, you know, big second half, not good first half. And yeah, I, that's that's the case. The first half last year, he started seven games. ERA of seven and a half and 36 innings. Second half, he started 14 games with a 2.52 ERA, 85 and two thirds innings. So, this is a guy who just last year is started off the year just as bad as he started it off this year. He's a, he's a professional pitcher. He's a guy who we've seen do it. He struck out 16 guys just a couple of days ago. The, the power struggle over the money would be interesting bet- between those two teams. I will say that because, like, I definitely, when I imagine Lance Lynn getting traded, I imagine him going to a team who just doesn't care about the money. You know, he's been good his last X amount of starts whenever the trade happens. You know, he's been good in the past. Like, he did it last year. Like, he's a veteran. Can yada, yada, yada. Like, I imagine it there. The Reds we've seen, as you said, Sammy, be a little bit frugal. So, I would be, it would be interesting to me to see them take on that much money, even at, a, even at the prorated amount. But you know, he's definitely a fit. You know, they've got a great a great team over there and you know, veteran arm in that rotation is definitely something they need. I'm not sure if going to one of the better hitters parks in the league would be the best thing for Lance Lim, but he doesn't really have a choice. They need pitchers, they gotta get pitchers. So the reason I didn't um switch up the money is because we spoke about this on our last podcast a few days ago. The market for pitching is pretty thin. So initially, I was going to have the White Sox chip in some cash going over to the Reds. But 
you have to consider there might be multiple teams asking for Lynn services. Again, that doesn't mean the price is going to be great, but it means the White Sox will have some room for leverage. So that was initially in the trade, some money going over, but I think just as is, is more realistic. All right. I like it. I'm on board with that. I'm on board. Let's get Lance Lynn in red. We we solved a lot of problems today. For we 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 moved baseball forward a little bit once again. So good one. Now you guys just sit back and enjoy social media from Cincinnati, from Chicago, from New York, and from Arizona saying how stupid you are. So there's no get on. Yeah, Gordo, don't worry. There's no way a bunch of New York fans are going to tell a guy from Boston that he's stupid for wanting them to sell one of their best pitchers. Listen, no matter what happens here on end, understand that all those New York Mets fans that get on social media after that first round of who says no, we're saying we don't want Luis Robert. Oh, yeah, that's right. How's that going? My God, right right when we started talking about him as a trade piece, he just explodes and is one of like the best 10 players in the league right now. Jeez. Ever since, he changed, ever since he changed his name to Luis Robert, it's it's been completely different. So it's maybe pretty- maybe if Lance Lynn starts going by his first name, Michael, things will be different for him too. Michael uh, Lynn. There is, oh, there is anyway, Lance is his middle name. It's yeah. So I I was gonna was gonna throw in his full name, you know, add some humor to the show, and then when I looked it up, I was like, oh my God, Lance is his middle name, mm. Michael Lance. So there you go. I was I, I by the one of my great regrets in life is when I started writing not to have my name, my first initial, my middle name, and then my last name, which would have been R Farnsworth Bradford. I realized Farnsworth. Yeah, I would absolutely like be working for the Wall Street Journal right now. Oh yeah, easy. So, yeah. So. Speaking of Farnsworth, do you guys have you guys seen what Kyle Farnsworth looks ne- looks like nowadays? Yes, it's huge. Yeah, really. Yeah, <laughs> he's the Hulk. Yeah. Well, uh, all right. I gotta go. We gotta go. Excellent job, guys. Awesome job. We'll. See.